For the rest of us, why don't we grab out our Bibles? We're going to reflect on the Scriptures this morning as we celebrate this Christmas Day 2021. Remembering, of course, as well that we'll be back tomorrow for those who are around. We have a 10 a.m. service, the last opportunity for this year. I know it's been an up and down and everything in between sort of a year, but, you know, they're the best moments sometimes, the most important moments for there to be that priority of praise and gathering together to proclaim the goodness and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, love to see you there as we gather Again, church two days in a row. Must be revival or something. Fantastic. Well, let's just pray for our time in the Word this morning. Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you not just for the lights and the presents, the gifts, the fellowship and family and all the other good things which are indeed good. But we thank you more than anything else and above anything else for the gift of your Son. We thank you that you are a God who saves. You're a God who has come not just to make a way, but become the way for all who would trust in you. Father, I pray that that hope would burn in our hearts this morning. I pray that as we read your scriptures, you would enlighten them to us, you'd enliven them to our spirits, that your word would be not just truth, but it would be water, it would be food that would feed us, it would refresh us this morning, we pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in your wonderful name, King Jesus, and we say amen. 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 Let's turn to the gospel according to Matthew. Last couple of weeks, we've been reading Matthew's account of the moment that we've marked for many centuries in our calendar as celebrating the birth, the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you... Uh, uh, there, would you read with me from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18? So I said we reflected last week, and there's one phrase in particular I want to pick up for us this morning. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We talked about the... The discomfort, the, the lack of comfort at times that we find in the Christmas story. We want everything just right, neatly packaged presents under the tree. And yet it's a picture in many ways of how God comes into the lack of perfection, into the midst of the mess and the chaos and the confusion as it was for Joseph. But as he considered these things in verse 20... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And that was our focus last week, the certainty, the clarity of that profound statement, the mission of Christ was that he would come to save. The God who's moved towards us with affection and delight, who's broken through the pervading darkness with this glorious gift of his salvation. And this is the phrase for us this morning, verse 22. 
Read it with me. Let's camp here for a few moments and reflect on what this means. We've talked about the mission of Jesus to come and say, verse 22, it says, all of this took place. All of this, everything that we've read, the fullness of the story and all its majesty and all its mystery, it says all of this took place to fulfill. Underline that word, to fulfill. It's a fulfillment of that which the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And there's a quote here from Isaiah that was penned some 600 plus years before the coming of Christ. And it says this in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Christmas story. And then Matthew puts in this detail, and he, above all other gospel writers, loves to make this connection continually throughout this gospel. If you read it, he says, and this took place to fulfill, and Jesus did this to fulfill, and this fulfilled that. He loves to draw these dots and make these connections. And right here, he's making a connection for us. He says, all of this happened to fulfill. This was the fulfillment of something. You see, we can see up front that Matthew is indicating to us, he's reminding us that this is not an afterthought. It's not a, a coincidence. It's not a random series of events that somehow the Lord managed to work together to accomplish his purpose. This is the specific fulfillment of the specific promise of God. This was from the beginning God's intention. It was God who proclaimed this plan through his prophets. And we see that not just here. There's hundreds of scriptures from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, in the midst of the mess that Adam and Eve had made and created by their own sin and disobeying what God had told them. Even there, straight away, what does the Lord do? He gives them a promise. He says, from the seed of a woman will arise the one who is the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, the God who's going to break through to make everything that is wrong right. The specific fulfillment of the specific promise of God, God's intention, God who proclaimed, God who fulfilled that which he purposed in his heart and made clear that he was coming to accomplish. All of this, he says, all of this took place to fulfill. The bits that were undeniably the Lord, the bits that we love, the, the angels, the glory of God, the host of heaven proclaiming, and the other bits that are undeniably at times, confusing and mysterious. See, here is the point. Whether it was obvious or not, Matthew is making it clear for us that this account we read was the undeniable orchestration of the divine sovereignty of God. All the events, every little part and detail in this, whether it's obvious, whether it is not so obvious, his hand is at work. We've talked about Mary and Joseph. What about this one? Caesar Augustus. He didn't know anything about the prophecies of the Old Testament. He didn't know anything about the prophet Micah. And yet it's him that God uses to decree that a census must be taken at precisely the moment that would find Mary and Joseph in a little town called Bethlehem at the very moment when the child was born in specific fulfillment 
of the prophetic scripture that he had prophesied many, many hundreds of years in advance. The big details and the little details. He works through Gentile kings. He works through and he works sometimes in spite of the circumstances and situations around our bat. But in the midst of it all, there's this one certainty. He is at work to accomplish his plans. And so Christmas is a reminder, if you haven't caught it already, it's a reminder of the promise-keeping reality of God. He is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. He is a God who keeps his word and his promises never fail. Now, they don't always occur in our timing or our method or our means. This particular prophecy that we're reading from Isaiah that Matthew is referring to took some 600 years. Now, we're in a society, aren't we, where if my web page is not loading in six seconds, I'm frustrated. Six minutes and I'm developing a twitch. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's over. We're not a patient people. And yet there is this certainty for us that whether it's six minutes or six hundred years, that His promises never fail. His word remains, it endures, and it is a rock and a foundation and a shelter for those who would trust in Him. I think that's what Matthew's saying here. It's this incredible exclamation mark. All of this happened. Like, can you believe it? 600 years we've been hanging on to this promise. Generation to generation to generation saying, He's coming. There's a moment. He's coming. He's going to step into human... There's a baby who will be born. He will come as the deliverer, as the light. It's, it's coming. It's coming. And he's like, can you believe it? It's finally here. This is the moment that we've been waiting for as His people for 600 years. Hanging on to the promise. You know, hanging on to the promise. Now, let's be honest, that's, that's a challenge and that's a tension. And it's a sermon for another day, isn't it? How do we wait well? Not many of us are super encouraged if we hear, well, I'm going to do this, but it's going to take 600 years. Okay, okay, Lord. Okay. But there is for us this reality. So what I want to encourage our hearts in, stir our hearts in, is there is a promise that we can anchor ourselves in. A promise that is proclaimed in such a powerful and profound way as we gaze into the Christmas story. As we look at this little baby in the manger as the ultimate fulfillment of his plan. You see, promises these days are rather cheap. You know, there's package deals, ten for the price of one. They roll off the tongue with a certain ease. I've found even uh, this particular year, I don't know if it's because I turned 40 and I'm now an old man in middle age, but I've been bombarded. Yeah, thank you for the sigh. Yes, my youthfulness is gone. It's disappeared. Left the building. But I've been bombarded this year with all these adverts for weight loss and for hair growth. I don't, I don't know if it's the age thing. I don't know if Siri's seen something going on with the hair and thought, what can we do? We've got to throw him something, some sort of a lifeline. But there they are. It's, it's, it's just astronomical. I don't know whether, I don't recall having searched anything. I may have had a conversation. Anyone had that experience where 
you just chat with someone about a holiday destination and then all of a sudden in the feed and every time you open up the computer, there it is. That's another sermon for another day. Let's leave that one right alone. But everywhere, every, everywhere I look, there's these promises of shampoos, of creams, of uh, plans and strategies of success, of magic pills that can do both. Help you lose weight and somehow transfer it into hair growth. Just almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But we're very quick to promote and allow words and promises to roll off our tongue. There was an era and a time where we could say genuinely, our, our word is our bond. Where covenants were established, treaties were enforced simply by somebody's word. Whereas now I think the saying would be far more readily given as, well, my word is what I'm feeling in the moment. It's what I'm feeling now, and if you don't like it, just wait a moment. It's fine, because I'll probably be feeling something else. Words have never felt so empty. So many, but so empty. Compare that reality to this truth. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35. Listen, just, just grab a hold of this. This is Jesus. He says... Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, will never fail, some translation. They will endure forever. He's saying there is nothing in the universe more stable. Heavens and earth will pass away. My words will remain. They will never pass away. They're more consistent. They're more dependable than anything else. That we could ever find. Systems will fail. Health will fail. Governments will fail. Technology will fail. People will fail. I will fail. You will fail. I hate to break it to you if that's news. But his word will never fail. His word will never fail. It's the one thing on this earth you can completely trust. It's the power. It's the purpose of his promise. You know, some scholars estimate that up to two-thirds of the Bible is dedicated to either the giving or the waiting for promises. Two-thirds of Scripture are related to promise, promise-making, promise-waiting, promise-fulfillment. Certainly it is all the way through, isn't it? From the beginning to the end, the shadows, figures, as types symbols and signs, there's all of these pictures of this reality of a promise-making God. And one thing that I love about it is, see, the promises of God are never a carrot. And I mean that in the sense of, in my very poor efforts to train our COVID puppy, which is going disastrously, just in case you're wondering, there's often a carrot, isn't there? Well, if you do this, if you jump through the hoops, that's the intention, which never actually eventuates, then you will receive a reward. Now, there is conditional promises, and we're not going to open this up too much, but the heart of promise is not a carrot. It is a call. It's in the midst of everything else going around. There's a call to remember that there's a God who's faithful, that there is an unshakable foundation. It's a call to rest and rely upon Him, to find our hope and our strength in no other place than the certainty and the unfailing reality of his word to us. And see, that's exactly the, the picture that we get here. Matthew's quoting from Isaiah. 
You know, that promise came from God through the prophet to the people. Not when the people were going well. Not when they were in some great place of success. They were in a great place of darkness. Like if you read on, this is Isaiah 7, but Isaiah 9, it says the people dwelled in deep darkness. They were completely lost. And if you read the context, I was reading through Isaiah just in the midst of this Christmas season. And it's, it's devastatingly hopeless. The governments are corrupt. The people are turning against each other. They're seeking every medium and every way. And just at the end of verse 8, there's this tragic verse that says, They look to the earth. They look to themselves and continually stumble around in the darkness. I mean, what a description of our generation. God's there saying, just look up. We're like, no, we can, we can figure this out. We've just got to look to, to ourselves. We've just got to look to, to something around. And yet in the midst of that place of rebellion, sin, disaster, disappointment, discouragement, God brings forth this word. He says to Isaiah, prophesy this. There's, there's darkness. There's, there's deep darkness. But in the midst of the darkness, the glory of the Lord is breaking through. The dawn has come. The light is here. And the darkness will not, shall not, could not ever come close to overcoming or overwhelming it. And remember, this is not just a vague promise. God doesn't come in the midst of that place and say, well, things will get better somehow, sometime. Like, just hang in there. God's, God's somehow going to work it all together. It's not a vague promise in that sense. It's a specific promise of an intended outcome and result. And in fact, I love at the end of this, as Isaiah now we're talking about, he, he gives this prophetic promise. He says, this, this is coming. I'm breaking through. A baby is being born. And then there's this phrase at the end. And he says, and the zeal of the Lord. Doesn't that just make you? The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal. He's passionately involved. He's not removed and somehow abstract and distanced from the affairs. He's, he's fiercely Pursuing in his affections, determining his commitment to fulfill his promises. Not vague, they're, they're specific. This is happening. The zeal of the Lord is doing this. You can get on board or you can get out of the way. It doesn't really matter. The zeal of the Lord is doing this. But here's what I love about this picture. Even here in this prophetic utterance that Isaiah gives, that Matthew quotes, even here in this place of darkness... His promise remains and his promise prevails. Even in the midst of despair, even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of depravity and brokenness, whether it's out there or whether it's of our own making, there is a promise, people. People of God this morning, there is a promise that we can grab a hold of. There's a promise that we can anchor ourselves into. There is a promise of a God who is at work. And his promises never fail. See, in, in the same way as the, the hearers of Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecies, as the, the readers that Matthew wrote to, as they saw the fulfillment of that specific word, God's promises are meant to move and motive, motivate us. 
They're meant to infuse us with hope. They're meant to give us courage. They're meant to be an unshakable foundation that holds steady when there's storms of fear and confusion and loneliness and discouragement and all raging around. They're everlasting fountains of joy when the journey feels more like a wilderness. They are peace that passes all understanding which settles our hearts in the midst of the storm, even when things are chaotic and confusing. This is the reminder for us this Christmas. Church, people, friends, family, those here, those listening online. Let this Christmas be this undeniable reality that there is a God who keeps His promises. Is there really any need for us to be fearful and anxious? About pandemics, about global warming, global annihilation, about the destruction of the church or any other list of of problems that are around us. We have a promise that is so much greater and it's so much better. And we have the certainty of a God who keeps his word. He has a plan. He's accomplishing his plan. His plan will never fail. Amen. Can we get Ali's team back up? So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to just pray for us, and then we're going to finish with a song. And as I said, we have an opportunity this morning to fellowship. The cafe will be open. You can purchase tea and coffee. The fruit mince pies are free, so please eat as many as you possibly can, because I know that I don't need them. If Google adverts or anything to go by, I don't need any more fruit mince pies. Fruit mince pies. But we want to pray, and then we want to move into all that today will hold. And I want to give us this invitation as we pray. Jesus tells his parable in Matthew 7, and he says, this is how it works. There's a wise person and there's a foolish person. The wise one builds his life upon the rock. The foolish one built upon the sand. What is his rock? He said, this is the foundation that will never fail. This is the foundation that will hold you steady when those storms, when the winds blow, when things happen around us that are are chaotic and confusing. And it's building our lives upon the unshakable foundation of His unfailing promises. That His words will never fail. They will never fail. Heaven and earth will pass away. But there's a foundation. Don't listen to the the promises of the world. Don't listen to the promises even necessarily that are just within us. The only promise that will hold us steady is the promise of the eternal God. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you in the midst of a a year that has had it all, ups and downs and highs and lows, for this opportunity to gather together to remember you. And I pray that in some way today for each and every one of us here, for those online, that there would be both a reminding but a, a reinvigorating of that reality, that this is an incredible proclamation of the faithfulness of God, a God who promised that he would come and make a way. 
and a God who has forever, not just now, but for all eternity, demonstrated that He is a God who is faithful to fulfill all of His promises. And I pray this morning, Lord, for a, a reassuring of our hearts in a year that's been uncertain. Pray for a, a re-anchoring of our souls, particularly for those who felt like there's that tendency just to be drifting with the tide and with the, the prevailing winds. I pray that we'd be a people who know what it is to have our feet firmly planted upon the unshakable rock that you are and you forever will be for us. And would we be a people as you encourage us to be who intentionally choose to build our lives upon that unshakable reality of who you are. King Jesus, we honor you. King Jesus, we love you. And we step into the rest of this year, the rest of this day, and the coming seasons with such joy and hope and expectancy when our trust is built and placed in you. I pray these things in Jesus' name.